Welcome to Season 2 of the Homeschool Loftcast 2.0 with episodes on the 1st and 15th of each month presented by the Homeschool Loft. The Homeschool Loft is a homeschool parent resource center based in Northeast Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and to let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one -on -one consultations, discussion groups, workshops and seminars, a monthly newsletter, a blog, and events of various types. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. And now, the hosts of the Homeschool Loftcast 2.0, Tina Hollenbeck and Chris Yeager. Welcome to the Loftcast 2.0. Our guest today is Tiffany Boyd, who first appeared on the Loftcast on March 18, 2022, to talk about the very real dangers inherent in what is called the school choice movement. A lot has happened on that topic since then, and we think it's especially important to readdress it now at the beginning of each state's 2024 legislative session so that you can have your eyes and ears open. Before we jump in, though, let me remind you a bit about Tiffany. She has a Bachelor's of Science degree in Interdisciplinary Studies from MTSU. She is a former tenured public school teacher and a current homeschool consultant, speaker, education researcher, and founder and administrator of Free Your Children, LLC, and the Free Your Children radio show. Her show, which airs Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on WXRQ at 1460 a.m., has a worldwide audience reading upwards of 4.7 million listeners. Also, a monthly contributor to the Murfreesboro Pulse and has appeared on multiple podcasts and media outlets, including The Sentinel Report with Alex Newman, The Schoolhouse Rocked Podcast, The Deep Roots at Home Podcast, Counterculture Mom with Tina Griffin, The Rutherford Magazine Show, The Rope Report, The Military Mom Podcast, The Courtney Turner Show, and more. And to top of all that, she is a wife of 32 years mother to five children, and grandmother to two. Welcome back, Tiffany. So you were here at the Loft Loftcast about a year and a half ago. We are so happy to have you back. I imagine in that time, there's some new things in your family family in your, in your life. Would you like to share anything? Absolutely. It's an honor to be here first. I can't believe it's been a year. Thank you for the <laughs> opportunity and allowing me to come back on. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. We, I've been talking about having you back for some time, but we wanted to make sure enough had kind of gone down and happened so that we could actually update people on stuff that's been going on. So absolutely. Well, you know, in education, they're always giving us enough. <laughs> I want to say ammunition. <laughs> we could do a daily update, it, it seems like at this point. But yes, a lot has transpired since I was on a year ago. And for your children has exploded. Mm. And uh, I've really gotten within the past year really involved in parental rights and educational rights. And so currently there are a lot of things that are going on in our state and, in a, and across the nation in general, dealing with those specific topics that, you know, have really provided a lot of instances for us to be able to shed some light on that with Free Your Children. One is, of course, the Department of uh, the Federal Government's 
initiative to remove parental consent from um, federal funding and, and being able to bill for Medicaid. So that's, you know, something big that's new to a lot of people that a lot of educational researchers have been sharing information on, myself included. And there's the digital badging, which is taken off across the United States where schools are buying these basically data um, mining um companies are, are are selling them software, you know, where they can mm -hmm. data mine children's personal um, information. And that's going wow. on all across the United States. The, the, I think the largest purveyor of that is a company called Clever. And they actually have a link that you can go to and put in different names of schools to see if that particular school in a district near you is implementing that particular um, software. Mm -hmm. That's something that's going on. So there's just all kinds of things going on. I recently had... Um, a piece that I had exposed on a murder assignment that a teacher gave to an eighth grade student in a county in Tennessee. And I was contacted with that information. And then I was given a school board member's name to speak to about it. And I called him and uh, what he was able to shed some light on exactly what had happened because the parent had come to a school board meeting and addressed the school board uh, regarding that particular assignment. And then the Christian Post picked that up and WorldNet Daily actually picked that up as well um, and had written an article about it. So there's just so much, you know, going on in the education realm that it would probably take days wow. <laughs> to even yeah. attempt. And then by the time I gave those updates, there would probably be more. Right, right. right. I always wonder because I follow you on Facebook and I see everything of the stuff that you're talking about. I'm wondering, how do you have time to homeschool your kids in the midst of all that? Well, I don't sleep much. <laughs> so that's probably number one. But what I've really had to do, actually, now I have a team that volunteers mm. for Free Your Children. So that has been a fantastic blessing because one person, there's no way I could do everything that needed to be done, you know, now with Free Your Children. So I have an amazing team that has stepped up to the plate to really help me get a lot of things accomplished because the ministry is growing so quickly and so rapidly. I'm giving seminars um, across the state of Tennessee, and I've been asked to come into, you know, other areas and give those seminars as well. And then I have the radio show, um, and then and then for your children in general with just trying to keep people updated. So there is a lot that's going on. We, we still do have two children that we're homeschooling at home. <laughs> So it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, caffeine, caffeine and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Not in that order, though. No, I was going to say wrong order, but right concept. So That's right. That's right. <laughs> Tiffany, what can you tell us about school choice and homeschool freedom? What in particular maybe has changed in that regard since the last time we talked? I think, well, you know, there's always legislation that's being introduced to try to usurp the rights of, of families in the homeschool world. And a lot of that legislation comes wrapped up in a nice little package. <laughs> <laughs> we saw some of that legislation that was introduced during our last legislative session. Then in Tennessee, it's mm -hmm. been all over the news lately. We've had a summer a special summer study session a lot of families don't know may not know and don't realize is that when homeschool families accept federal funding and this is even you know there are 
special needs children, special needs families, and they may be utilizing federal funding. Mm-hmm. And what they may not realize is even if they're homeschooling, those federal strings are going to be attached to those federal dollars. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a lot of that right now, specifically with the idea uh, Part B Medicaid services that are being offered to all families, you know, that accept that funding. They need to understand that the parental consent has been removed from that. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, you have a child that's going in, if you're homeschooling and you have a child that's going into your local school system to implement some of that funding, they no longer have to, uh, they, it, they don't require parental consent for some of the data assessments mm-hmm. or the diagnosing or the treatments um, or interventions that they are implementing. And they can then turn around and bill Medicaid for those services. And the parents may not even know that this is going on. So that's horrifying, <laughs> in my opinion. And I've talked wow. to a lot of families that, you know, had no clue. And then, of course, every year there's always legislation in, in states across the nation where they get ready, you know, for the legislative session to convene and they file all these bills. And oftentimes there's school choice legislation, you know, in those bills where they're trying to entice homeschool families to um, accept a, an ESA. And, and I fully expect that this next legislative session here in Tennessee um, we also had, uh, I don't know if I spoke, have was have spoken to you since they filed a bill in Tennessee for at-risk boarding charter schools. No, that was after uh, and we that, talked. Okay, that, that piece of legislation in our state was HB 1214, that was the House bill, and it didn't die. They just set it aside so that we expect to see that again because they are really wanting to implement in our state these at-risk charter boarding schools. And, you know, the problem with that is when they defined what they considered at risk, it was such a Pandora's box and it just swung the door wide open for practically any child to be labeled at risk. And then they would be eligible uh, to, you know, to be housed in these at-risk boarding charter schools. So, you know, I think families, particularly homeschool families, because most individuals homeschool because they do not want the government involved in the educating of their children. But what they need to understand is if you accept any type of government assistance or, you know, government monies as a homeschool family, you are opening that door for the government overreach you know into your your homeschool that's 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 insane (laughs) it's just it is it's crazy wow so yes and, and and then you know the seminars that I'm doing you know that's a new new thing that just started a few months ago and that has been um extremely exciting to be a part of because a lot of the information that I present is just information the research that I've done on my own but also research that I have gleaned you know from a lot of other different sources and I put it all together into a package to give an overall view mm-hmm. of why we have what we have now, where it came from, where it's headed. And then depending on where I'm speaking, I can hone it in on, and this is how it's affecting you in the state where you live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what are some of the states where this is already passed or where it's on the verge of passing that you know about? The school choice for homeschoolers? The school, well, we know Florida because we know in Florida, universal school choice has passed. And I watched 
several pieces of legislation during the last legislative session in different states. You know, Oklahoma, Alabama was on the chopping block. They were able to defeat some of theirs, but just seeing exactly the things that were being said by some of the representatives in these states, you a window into how they really feel. Yeah. <laughs> about really wanting to put the thumb, you know, on, on homeschoolers specifically. Yeah. And so I think that's something, you know, to watch. And, and if I'm not mistaken, Oklahoma passed some legislation, mm -hmm. this past legislative session that kind of opened the door to, um, you know, some issues there with homeschooling too, but it, it's going to, they're trying this in every state. Mm -hmm. oh. And I think every legislative session Every single state, if they haven't already adopted universal school choice, they're going to be fighting this. Yeah. So I think homeschoolers really need to be aware and they need to watch the bills that are being filed. And then, you know, in our state, in Tennessee, the caption bill rarely looks like what the actual bill says. Mm -hmm. um, so it really requires a lot of homework. That alone is a full time job trying to keep <laughs> up with <laughs> trying to keep up with what they're you know trying to do, you know, in their spare time bearing yeah. things you know in bills with amendments and you know it's just madness is is what it is but we try to keep an, a team assembled and we can just split the bills up and then try to go through them with a fine-tooth comb to see what it is that they're trying to sneak in yeah i remember seeing on the news and we're taping in the summer of 2023 but seeing on the news recently that they were celebrating that sarah huckabee sanders passed it in arkansas she signed it she's the governor there now right mm -hmm. so she signed mm -hmm. universal school choice in arkansas and they were celebrating and arizona i know has been gone for a couple of years yes um mm -hmm. but what people in arizona don't realize when they take that money they actually stop being homeschoolers under the new right. law. they think they are yes. but they're not right. anymore according to the right. new law <laughs> Yes. So they, they yeah. give it away. <laughs> and one thing that I, I thought was really interesting because I watched this develop is the number of schools that China has purchased, mm -hmm. private schools. So in a state where there is universal school choice, that means that taxpayers are funding China. Wow. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I shared that and that really shocked some people, you know, who had originally been pro school choice and they sat there and they thought about that for a moment. And then they were like, mm, I don't think this is a good idea. Like I thought it was in the beginning. <laughs> and I said, yes, that's the problem. And here in Tennessee, there's been a huge push for these Hillsdale charter mm. um, affiliate schools. And so in our county, it was voted down. And so, of course, our governor created um, a charter school um, commission so they can appeal to that commission and bypass local control to be able to establish a charter school, even if the local school board votes it down, which mm -hmm. ours did. And so, you know, they appealed, of course. I think they had even filed the appeal before the last vote because they obviously they had an indication that it likely would not pass. Yeah. And so in September, I think it's September the 21st in our county, it's the very first meeting for this appeal that we're going through. So I actually have a copy of that charter application for our county. And I have been steadily, I've already read some of it, but I'm going back through it with a highlighter. I love a highlighter. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was interesting to me when I found out that um, several of the proponents of this particular charter school had no idea 
that they were going to be implementing SEL. They are clearly from that application and from um, the new federal government's guidelines for you know, billing of Medicaid, they're going to be implementing all these things. And I have been able to go into that application and highlight all those items, they're going to be implementing SEL, they're going to have the behavioral mental health uh, professionals in the schools to diagnose these at-risk children. They're using the same tiered models, the MTSS and the RTI models, where they can bill Medicaid for these services without parental consent. And our conservatives in our area, they have no clue about any of this, and a, a large portion of them have not even bothered to read the application. <laughs> No, I think they look at charter schools or even homeschooling and say, oh, that promotes freedom. So whatever is happening to there, we'll just, we'll give more money to it because some of them, I think they really do think they're helping, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And then, yes. and they don't understand what they're actually putting us at risk for. Right. And then a lot of them don't want to know the truth. They don't want to hear the information because they've invested so much in this, what they think is going to be the golden calf of, you know, of education and going to solve problems. There's a misnomer that that charter schools save the taxpayers money, which is mm -hmm. not true. And then, you know, these charter schools are public schools. Yeah. So it's just another avenue that the taxpayers are having to fund. But with this avenue, it's no we have no representation. It's taxation without representation because they appoint their board. Mm -hmm. So are you finding in all this legislation and, and now we're talking about across the country. So this is probably a broad sweeping statement, but are they, are, is the language very direct about the limitations and the potential risks, or are they doing a lot of kind of sneaking things in? Well, you, you really have to read between the lines okay. on a lot of it, I think. And I think that's the problem. Most people, first off, don't know what they're looking for mm -hmm. because they haven't necessarily done the research or been educated. And I wasn't either until I took a deep dive into all of this. And sometimes I say um, it was much easier when I didn't know all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I could just homeschool my children. Right. And, and I wasn't trying to save the world, but here we are. <laughs> so, so, so yes, um, you know, it, Things are, are made unclear for a reason. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think, you know, but when you lay it out there and you take all the pieces and, you you know, you look at the big picture, but I will say this, they're not hiding it anymore. They're getting very bold about what they're doing. Mm. You, you know, the agenda is not hidden. They've been honest and upfront about what their intentions were from the very beginning. So if you look, you will find it. Mm. You just might have to look through thousands of pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think understand some of the terminology. So yes. a little while ago, you mentioned um, ESAs and SEL. Can you, our audience might not be familiar with those acronyms. Can you tell us what those are? Sure. And and here's the thing. Education loves acronyms. Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so what they also like to do is once once the general public catches on to a cer certain initiative that they have realized is not good, <laughs> then they will just rebrand it yep. and give it a different acronym. Yep. <laughs> Rename it. Yes. And so that that happens all the time in the education world. So, of course, SEL is social emotional learning mm. and school going to be required to implement those programs to be able to uh, leverage federal funding. Mm -hmm. 
So that's an initiative that's coming down from the federal government. And that's why you're seeing it in, in schools that, um, in, in most of the schools across the nation, because, you know, they're benefiting from federal funding. And then there's, um, what was the other acronym? Well, oh, let, let's stop for a second, though, because okay. social emotional learning, that sounds all fine and good. Don't we want yes. to be about that? Because, you know, if I'm a homeschooler who's thinking, oh, I want school choice because I want that money and the government's telling me I have to implement social emotional learning, what's wrong with that? Right. And that's how, that's exactly what they want you to think. Exactly. So what, what social emotional learning does is it seeks to change the thoughts, the beliefs, and the behaviors of children and mold them into what the government says are appropriate thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, and attitudes. Okay. So that's what's so dangerous about it. And then what they're doing is they're constantly assessing children and they're constantly data mining children. And so, and that's SEL is the number one purveyor. That's the number one way that they're harvesting all these data on our children across the nation mm -hmm. through these programs. And this SEL is embedded in language curriculum, social studies curriculum. It's embedded into everything. And so that's what parents need to realize is it sounds, um, you know, nice and it sounds, you know, not dangerous and not nefarious. But when you really look at the roots of what it is, it, it very much is. And parents should be very concerned about it. And it's all wrapped up into the mental health packages now that they're implementing all across the nation. And so they're loading up schools with behavioral health professionals, such as psych psychologists, um, social workers, clinical social workers, and I think in some states they're called behavioral health liaisons. So what <laughs> these what these mental health professionals are doing is they are and they're teaching the teacher, they're teaching, instructing the teachers on how to um implement SEL and then how to identify children that they think are at risk and then they recommend those children to the mental health professionals and then the mental health professionals can use all these assessments and diagnose a child with with a mental health disorder mm. and so you know once that diagnosis is locked on to that children child it's likely going to follow them for the rest of their life right and if homeschoolers take the money mm -hmm. same thing's going to happen to our kids right Right. And, and the thing with accepting money, and you know this, but you may have listeners that haven't quite realized that this is the case. They're not, the government never gives you money and then says, go spend it however you want. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that, that's not how it works. There's always strings attached to it. There's always regulations attached to it. And then when you start looking at those, those strings that are attached, I know in some states, where they have offered ESAs to, to families. When you start looking at it, they can then come in and do an audit to make sure that you use the money for what they deem is an appropriate expenditure. Yep. So the curriculum is going to have to come from a list that they approve. The services are going to have to come from a list that they approve. And I had a follower of Free Your Children contact me. She was from Florida and she has a special needs child. And so she had told me that since the universal um, school choice was adopted, that it had been a complete and total nightmare. Mm. And that when she received her paperwork, she they told her that they weren't even going to be eligible for it this year because there wasn't enough, essentially. And, you know, they had to get their system caught up and, you know, all, all this red tape. Mm. But she said also she realized that now 
everything had to be public school equivalent, meaning anything that she chose to use for her child had to be exactly what the school system was using. And so she said, you know, we just decided we weren't going to do any of it because that's the reason why we homeschool. And she said, we didn't, you know, want that risk. And and she said, we didn't realize that that's what this universal school choice was going to bring here in Florida. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I think a lot of parents don't realize that, but then some of them, and I think also it's like the frog in the pot of water, right? I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. the bureaucrats make it easy at first. Um, You know, there's just a little paper to fill out, but then every year they tighten the screws and and bring up the heat and then the families become dependent on the money. So they don't feel like they can give it up. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, what we have said in our county, those of us who really get it and really understand what's going on here with these charter schools, these public charter schools, they're really public public private partnerships, you know, that that they're implementing here. And the problem with this is now, you know, we're saying now we have another avenue of education that we are as taxpayers going to be required to fund. And it's the exact same thing that public school is doing. So now Mm -hmm. we have two different avenues that we're having to fund, except with the charter school avenue, we have no say so we have no representation. So they're just piling on. And, you know, if school choice had worked in the states that had already implemented this, they're educational system would be stellar and that's not the case (laughs) (laughs) and there's so many instances of fraud and abuse and waste attached to these charter schools as a matter our new education commissioner um, Lizette Gonzalez Reynolds that Tennessee just um, hired in May she was attached she was a, a board member of the IDEA charter school network And that particular charter school network was in the news for not paying their taxes, for purchasing a private jet or leasing a private jet, for buying a hotel, you know, all of these ridiculous expenses on the dime of taxpayers. So, you know, it just it allows there's not as much oversight um, with these particular avenues of education as there is the traditional form of, of government schooling. And so then, you know, not only are you dealing with a failing system, but then you're dealing with one that, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of uh, financial yeah. misconduct that appears to be going on, you know, in a lot of these um, instances where yeah. you know they are kind of overseeing the way that they spend their money because they have appointed boards. Yeah. And it's hard enough to have accountability for the regular public schools because. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But especially then these. So exactly. And then, you know, if anyone if if anyone is listening and wants to look up the whole epic charter school um, debacle (laughs) that I believe was in Oklahoma, I think Mm -hmm. the two two of the gentlemen, I think, that were at the very head of that went to prison (laughs) You know, for money laundering. And I can't remember exactly what their charges were, but it was, you know doing things that they shouldn't have been doing with the money that was supposed to be used to educate, you know, the kids. Mm. Uh, And so waste and fraud and, you know, just all kinds of things seem to go along with all of this. And of course, again, the ones that are being hurt the most by this is the children. Right. Right. Well, so there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things we're battling against. What do you think has been the most effective in counteracting all these negative effects? What, do you see that's being helpful at this point? The most, the thing that gives me hope 
is yes. that more and more parents are waking up mm. and they're pulling their children out of the system completely to homeschool. And I tell parents all the time, if you want to have complete autonomy over what your children are being taught and what they're being exposed to, you have to remove them from the system and take responsibility of leading and directing their education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thankfully, because of the radio show and because of what I do, I have had an opportunity to interview many families with, you know, single parent families that are homeschooling successfully, parents of children with disabilities that are homeschooling successfully without utilizing, you know, government monies, mm -hmm. um, families that work full time that are homeschooling successfully. So they're really shattering the misconceptions um, that homeschooling has to look a certain way and that every family's the same and that homeschoolers come from a place of wealth. And that's mm -hmm. the only reason why they can do what they do because none of that is accurate. Mm -hmm. right. And so it's really, I think, giving other people encouragement and hope, you know, Hey, if they can do that, we can do that too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have come on the for your children radio show and they have shared practical tips. This is how I homeschool as a single mom, mm -hmm. you know? So I think parents need to realize that it might be scary if they're contemplating it, just do it. You know, God equips us to do hard things. And there are so many resources now available for homeschool families to yeah. really help them navigate those waters and to encourage and equip. And um, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take, uh, if, you, if you really want to be a part of a revolution, pull your kids out and homeschool your children. Mm. Amen. And and that means really homeschooling, not using right. a public school at home program, exactly. not taking mm -hmm. um, ESSA money, which means educational savings account. We never defined right. that, but not mm -hmm. taking any of those funds because you, right. you strangle yourself the moment you do any of that, right? Absolutely. It, when you do that, you're giving them a seat at your kitchen table because, you know, a lot of homeschoolers like to homeschool at the kitchen table. <laughs> we all stay home all the time, right? That's right. That's right. Yes, we never leave. You know? Never, never. <laughs> Our children never get to come out of the house. They never see any other, you know, <laughs> any, any other humans. <laughs> I still, you know, I still get a chuckle all the time when I hear people still ask about the same thing and it's always socialization. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking, didn't we dispel these myths during COVID? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where these same people were during COVID when schools were shut down for what, a year, a year and a half. I, I don't really remember because it didn't affect us that much because we just kept going right on and doing what we'd always done. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we did, well, I was not homeschooling at that point. I graduated my girls in 2020, but yeah, right. all the homeschool kids that I knew, I will tell you that we did a graduation ceremony and we did a spring formal that year. We didn't care. So. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And another thing that I'm seeing that's very concerning is the number of parents that are trying to navigate out of the public school system and they're trapping them up in truancy. Oh, and I think that parents, because once they do that, then it's easier for them to identify these kids at risk and get DCS involved and all kinds of nefarious things to, you know, to come in and, and kind of move the parents out of the way so they can do what they want to do with these kids. And I think yeah. a lot of people don't realize that schools make money two ways. One is through assessments and the other is through attendance. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So what people need to understand is truancy has nothing to do with the fact that these people are concerned that kids are missing school and not learning. <laughs> what they're concerned with is that when they miss school, they lose money. <laughs> yeah. And I got a big chuckle out of that because I've, I've seen already where certain school districts already this year are closing down because of COVID. <sighs> But yet some of these major news sources have been doing all these big hit pieces on chronic absenteeism. (laughs) And I said then, I said, so why is it not okay for a child to miss school when they're sick, but it's okay to shut down an entire district for COVID? Clearly, we're not worried about learning loss, right? Right, right. Yeah. No, I I know you're exactly right. And we're we're running a little bit short on time, but I know you're exactly right. When I was a public school teacher um, in the state of Wisconsin, every school, public, private, homeschool, they all need, we all need to do a head count on the third Friday in September and count the number of kids in your school. And then that's what the public schools get their money from. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what voucher private schools get their money from these days. And Mm -hmm. I didn't ever have a first hour class. And so myself and the social workers and everybody else, we were um, charged with going out to the habitual truants homes and bringing Mm -hmm. them into the school by 1030 in the morning so they could be there for the head count. And uh-huh. nobody cared if they ever showed up again. It was right. Get them there for headcount day, and then we get our money, and then we don't want them anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Children definitely have a dollar sign on their back, and that's yeah. why you know they are so important to the government school system. Uh-huh. There's a lot of money, as you know, that flows through education. Yeah. yeah. But again, we let them at our kitchen table when we do when we let that money into homeschooling. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well. What do you feel is the best way for us to get the word out, not only about the negative effects of school choice, but the best way of keeping our homeschool freedom? How, what avenues are you finding are most effective? Uh, what I'm finding is the grassroots efforts, you know, through organizations like Free Your Children and also by trying to educate our elected officials. Now, I say that <laughs> tongue in cheek because they don't always want to be educated right. and they don't always want to hear the information. But I say, you know, all the time, don't give up, you mm-hmm. know, even if they don't want to hear it, you know, the, inf- the information and hope that they read it, schedule meetings with them um, and, and try to bend their ear. Yeah. Uh, And then go out to get involved in local politics and try to find a candidate that you think um, a a group of supporters, you know, could get behind that really understand what school choice is. You know, what what I've been doing recently is we've been going through the GOP platform Hmm. and looking at exactly what they say about education. And I'm getting ready to release some information uh, specifically about what they say in their platform and how they are, they're not even following what they say they believe in in their platform because they're voting for initiatives that do all the things that they say that they're against. And it's coming through school choice yeah. and a lot of the programs that they're voting for and, and promoting, you know, via legislation. And I think that most of our lawmakers don't even know that. No, I think they just think that, oh, people want the money. This is how they can get votes if they right. vote for that. And they, they have no clue. Exactly. So I think education is the best is the best opportunity and tool that we have. 
um, you know, trying to get the information out in seminar form is another good thing. We've had a great response with that. And we're going to continue on with that as well. And then homeschool communities educating their homeschool families. Mm. That's another biggie because a lot of homeschoolers don't understand why they should be even even be concerned about it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing as 10 years ago. They didn't think they had to be concerned about Common Core. And now, right. <laughs> now yep, 40% exactly. of what they can buy is Common Core. So Exactly. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and you're right about that, too. And your resource, Tina, that you have, the Homeschool Resource Roadmap, is one that I refer people to a lot mm. so that they can look to make sure that the curriculum that they're utilizing in their homeschool is not Common Core aligned. Yeah, I think that's the tip of the iceberg from all, everything yes. else here. So, yep. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. Start there. Yeah. Um, do you have any parting thoughts for us tonight, Tiffany? Yes, I would love to tell parents if you're considering homeschooling, you can do it. God equips. You have all the tools that you need to homeschool your children. That's the reason why God gave you those children. Mm -hmm. If you need help, there's lots of us out here that are willing to help and encourage and equip you to make the journey and take the leap into homeschooling. And I hope that if you're listening to this and you're considering it, God's got you and we would love to welcome you into our homeschool community. Wonderful. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We really appreciate the valuable information you've given us. Well, thank you for having me. It was an honor. All right. We'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We trust that our discussion has provided you with some good insight that you can apply to your own homeschooling journey. If you have any questions with which we might help, do not hesitate to reach out to us via the Homeschool Loft's website at www.homeschoolloft.com or via email at loftcastinfo at gmail.com. That's loftcastinfo, all one word, at gmail.com.